Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. I got on the aeroplane at Melbourne Airport. Anybody flown out of Melbourne Airport? Well, most of us. When I lived in Tasmania, we always flew out of Melbourne Airport because we had to go to Melbourne Airport to go anywhere else in the world. But I did a lot of conferences in Melbourne during uh, my time in Tassie and it was always good getting on the plane in Melbourne and saying goodbye to Melbourne, but that's another story. So I got on the plane and uh, got my assigned window seat. I love the window seat, yes. I love looking out, but I don't always get it, but if I can, I do. Anybody for the window seat? Where else are you going to go on a plane after all? So I got on there nice and early, sitting there, looking out the window, thinking about things. And uh, then my companions for the journey arrived. And she was about 40-ish. And I have to say, she was very frazzled-looking. Very frazzled looking, something going on in her life, obviously, not really my business, except I noticed. And she also had uh, a young boy with her, a son. He was also a bit distressed, and she was carrying a package. So, anyway, they got on the plane and dumped down, and she was so sort of disoriented that she didn't really know how to get her seatbelt out. So, there was something going on, but I thought, oh, well, whatever. So I'd been to this conference, and uh, it was a leadership conference, and quite a bit of emphasis on what you do as a leader and all that, and the speaker at the end just gave us about a quarter to half an hour blurb on raw evangelism, and just encouraged us to be women and men who took every opportunity that was available for us to share the gospel of Jesus and talk about our faith. And that's fine, I've been doing that for years, so that was good, but I appreciated his encouragement. But he also said, look, you don't have to force or, you know, just be available. You don't have to kind of make everybody a target, you know what I mean, to share the gospel, but if you're available and have opportunity. So I'm sitting on the plane thinking, I'm pretty tired, I like the window seat. I'm going to look between Melbourne and Adelaide, taking the view. But as I sat there, I was kind of the Lord sort of impressed on me. Just be open. Just be available. So I took that on board. Anyway, I helped the lady and her son get settled. And uh, I don't know how the conversation started, but we did get talking a little bit and talked about what I'd been. So, you know, what brings you? You're going back home, all that sort of stuff. Easy conversation started, yeah? And she said, well, I've just been to a funeral and I'm going back home. I said, I was very sad. Whose funeral was it? And she said, well, it was actually my brother. He died. And uh, it was really sad because I didn't have any help where he was. He didn't have any help. I had to go over there to make all the details for the funeral, all that sort of stuff. And uh, so she just poured out her story a little bit to me. And we just got talking about, about that. And bit by bit, she unraveled her grief. And I was able to talk with her about how I cope with grief. 
and how I cope with grief as a Christian person who had found the Prince of Peace and the one who conquered grief. And we kept talking for quite some time. This was probably was halfway over nil by this stage. <laughs> and then I, I don't know how the conversation happened, but she said, she pointed to the package and said, and that's my brother. Holy smokes. I tell you, I nearly flipped. I thought she'd carried her brother on the phone. He'd just been freshly cremated. Now I thought about all that and we shared, I gave her some resources and all kinds of things happened. I've never seen her to this day. But I thought to myself, how good is God that he would bring that lady to sit by me in that church? In that, in that, well, it really was a church, in that plane. Of all the people she could have sat by, he brought her to me. But the thing was, I needed to be available to the Holy Spirit. Evangelism is a bit of a scary thing, yeah? How many of you find it scary? They're sort of half-masters there. I mean, really find it scary. It is, it's a scary thing. We've got this fantastic message to share, yes? In all sorts of times, situations, I've shared my faith many times with people in different situations. That was probably the, one of the most stark that I've ever done or been involved in. But I was glad for it. And I was glad I was able to give her something and said, you know, there is hope beyond what you've just gone through. But sharing your faith is not always an easy thing. And, you know, here's the... Here's the encouraging news. There's, there's a couple of sides to this, really, but it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or how skilled you may or may not be or what part of the journey you're on. It's always like that. It's never easy. And that gives me encouragement because the thing about sharing your faith often is that people will say, well, you're the professional veteran. You know how to go about this. I want to tell you, I never had one one lecture in college about how to actually share my faith. One lecture only on preaching an evangelistic sermon. I'd be glad you've been spared of that. That's all. So I'm no different from you or anybody. We just are ordinary women and men who've got the gospel treasure in our hearts, in our being, yeah? And Jesus wants us to share that but he also knows our struggles and how we don't always find it easy and we feel like drawing back and, and for all sorts of reasons. So next week we're going to look at discipleship, the, the next part of those fields. So if we looked at the, the four fields that Dave talked about last week, there's that entry point where we enter into it. Then there's the sowing. I think it's on the next slide if we bring that up. And then there's the growing and then there's the harvesting, like kind of enter in. So we're at that part where we want to sow seed. We want to sow the seed of the gospel, yeah? You on the same page with me? They are. Are you in the same field? That's the issue. Are we all in that field? Because in a way, we're always in the entry, we're always in the sowing, we're always in the growing and we're always in the harvesting. And actually, the diagram that Dave brought up last week, right in the middle was a leadership thing and recycling the whole thing over and again. And he put out a challenge. Remember the challenge. If we just reach one person for Jesus in the coming year, how big would the church grow? It's not about how big the church grows. It's about how the kingdom gets hold of people, yeah? 
I remember in Tasmania, in, in our church there, one thing, we, we developed a thing called Reach One. Just that idea that I could target on one person for a year and I had the support of other people who were praying for that person, all kinds of things we put out together. And the, and the potential, the exponential potential of, that, potential of that is incredible. That's how the church grows. It grows because one person shares their faith with another person. They don't have to worry about how they get converted. They don't have to worry about anything other than just sh- simply sharing the conversation, the story of their own life, their own conversion. A little bit of what Bob was saying this morning, the heart of it all is the cross. Jesus died for you. He rose again. If we get that and share that when we have opportunity, this world will be a much better place. And surely we would believe it needs to be a bit better place than it currently is. Yes? Matthew 13, verse 1. I'm going to read it. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. He or she who has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does uh, does not have even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be forever hearing but never understanding. You will be forever seeing. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. That's a farming story right there. A story from everyday life, that's what a parable is. From life as it was experienced in the time of Jesus. Jesus told parables, he told stories of life, he told, story, he told stories about farms, about houses, about sea, about fishing, And he taught the people many things in parables. People love stories. I've found that over the years. Whenever you tell a story, people listen. Have you ever noticed that? So I want you to put this in your heart this morning before I go any further. Find your story because people love your story. Your story is interesting to people. Other things aren't. All the facts you know about creation and how God made the world and all of that will not interest people as much as telling your story. 
And Jesus told stories. This is a parable of the sower, and it's lifted straight out of century one farming practice, agricultural practice. For us, it's a bit romantic and conjures up images of pleasant farming scenes, but it's not like that in reality. Farming was a tough job back then, just as it is today. And sadly, and unfortunately, most of us are so distanced from the reality of agricultural life and how food is produced and how we actually get to eat it that we kind of romanticise about these things. And it's not like that. So it's a bit difficult to get our heads around what Jesus was saying here. Today, for instance, our food is produced in a highly technological fashion, computerised, nothing left to chance. Some farmers are well into that technological age and have GPS systems on their tractors and their equipment and all kinds of things to make a profit. Well, it's not all that different from Jesus' time, but Jesus bored straight into what, his, uh, what he knew of the farmers and what his hearers knew. So when he's speaking to them, they, they know about fields. They know that through the fields there are pedestrian pathways when Heather and I were, first time we went to England, I was blown away by the fact that you can walk from one end of the United Kingdom, far north Scotland, to the bottom of Cornwall through public footpaths, going through land. So if you think of when you drive home today and you see all this land about and all fenced off, there are places in England you just walk straight through what seemed to be other people's property. So when Jesus talks about, about paths, his hearers knew that the fields where the farmers were trying to grow their wheat or their barley or whatever it was, there were paths. So he talks about thorny paths, thorny bushes, rocky ground. I would guess that all of his hearers would have seen hopeful farmers running, uh, walking through their fields, we would call them paddocks, but fields, throwing out of their bag they kept on their side grain, just like that. Just Anybody ever done that? Are any farmers here? Oh, Belinda, have you ever done that? Pray for Belinda, will you? They'd seen birds coming down because when you throw out a a fistful of wheat, every sparrow in creation thinks you're wonderful. And some of the feed uh, seed they would have seen falling on paths, easy food for birds. And some of the seed fell on rocky, stony ground, places where there was no depth of soil, enough to start or germinate something, but nothing to give viability, life and productivity. And so when hot winds came, it just disappeared. I... I remember when I was farming, wanting to cut a paddock of hay one day in, I think it was in September sometime, it was quite l- nice and high and lush like that, and then we had this scorching hot day, and it was nothing there next day. It just disappeared. So these, these people that are listening to Jesus' story would have got every last little nuance in the story, okay? You with me so far? And then, of course, there was uh, the thorns and the thistles and the weeds, and even if you tried to get rid of all of that, no roundup in those days, no young plant can compete with with all the thorns and the weeds. You know what it's like to garden, I'm sure. 
And then, of course, there is the, say it, the good soil. Good soil. Say good soil. Yeah, good soil. Every farmer wants some good soil. There the seed germinates, it grows, it produces a crop, there's harvest, there's productivity. So Jesus tells the story and then he does a very strange thing. In fact, he often does strange things. He just tells the story and says, if you've got ears, listen to what I'm saying. And he often says, if you've got eyes to see, use them. And he says, in effect, after he tells the story, are you listening? In Mark's gospel, Mark records this same incident. He says, uh, Jesus actually calls out, if you've got ears to hear, let him hear. That's a wake-up call for 21st century people. We are bombarded with so many narrative stories that have got nothing to do with the gospel And Jesus' voice is there in the midst of that saying to us, are you listening? Are you hearing me? And then Jesus says, in effect, how productive are you? Is there a 30 times productivity in your life, a 60 times, 100 times? So here's the question for me. Does productivity ever enter my thinking? What do you make of this parable? If you've ever been troubled or puzzled by Jesus' stories, you're not on your own. The disciples certainly were. Why do you speak in parables? Or to put a little bit of John Smith paraphrase on this, I can sense their frustration. I can put it to you like this. Why do you do this? If you want people to follow you, why why all this riddle stuff? Can't you make it plain? After all, that is what preachers are supposed to do. Come on, Jesus. We don't think your preaching method is going to work. Why do you speak to people in riddles? Have you ever felt that kind of frustration when you've read a parable and say, what's that mean? Anybody? Yeah. In fact, there's one or two parables I'm still trying to figure them out. I don't get all these money parables. Some of them I think, hang on, I don't get that unjust steward. Anybody got the unjust steward? Talk to me afterwards. I don't know. And he, and he actually picks, us up, picks up a nuance out of the Old Testament when Isaiah says a sort of thing. They, I'll go and tell the people, but they'll never listen, they'll never hear you. Good old Isaiah, that fantastic and wonderful prophet, 700 years before Jesus, preached to a nation and nobody got converted. But he just kept preaching. Noah was the same, wasn't he? 120 years of preaching, that's a long sermon just in case you think I ought to finish soon. That's a beauty. And nobody listened. But he still kept on talking. He still kept on preaching. This is really quite shocking stuff. He seems to be saying, Jesus, that if people understood, they would be saved, and surely that's what he's trying to do. Was Jesus trying to obscure the truth? Actually, no. Parables were, were not intended for those in the know. They, they weren't intended for insiders to truth. The answer to that, of course, is no. The point of the parable is to draw out a response from those who are listening. Now, I want to put a finer point on that. Parables are actually meant to shock you. 
They're actually meant to bring you up abruptly to make you stop the way you're living and to think about how God would actually want you to live. We're never meant to hear the stories of Jesus and go away unchanged. We're never meant to do that. That's a real at-your thing, isn't it? In Greek, the Greek word for hear means you haven't actually heard until you do. It's quite challenging, isn't it? Until people hear and do something, they've not really heard or seen what it's all about. Jesus was never interested in sermon samplers. He wanted real followers. He wanted to change people's lives. He wanted people to get the kingdom. He wanted people to get the reign and the rule of God in their lives. And by the way, that's all he wants for you and for me. He wants us to get the kingdom. So you see, in a sense, a parable is a bit like a riddle. If you really want to find out, you will. And to be frank, some parables really disturb us. But if we're listening, they get us seeking and they get us searching and we cannot put the thing down until we really know. In a way, it's a sad day when we stop being inquisitive. Yeah? When we stop the learning curve, when we are not listening anymore, just, just not in to biblical truth, but in life in general, when, when we sort of shut down, that's, that's sad. But it's even more sad when Jesus is trying to get our attention. And that's why he says in parables to us, as he did to his early first century hearers, are you really getting this thing? Now, the one good thing about this parable is we have an advantage here because Jesus told his disciples what he actually meant. So we don't go away saying, what did you mean, Jesus? So let's read the verses from verse 16. He says, But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not listen to it or hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The one who receives the seed that fell on rocky places is the man, the person who hears the word at once, receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the, the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. I'm glad he told us the meaning of the parable. First he mentions the soil types. There are four. What kind of you? What, uh, what do you think about that, folks? Thorny Places, paths, rocky ground or good soil. What kind of soil? And second, the sower and the seed. The seed is the word of God. The, the sower scatters the seed everywhere because there will be a harvest. But the point is you don't get a harvest unless you sow seed. And that's right where we're at in that second field. Sowing 
seed. You with me? Then there's the evil one. The evil one's always at work snatching away. This is the whole thing, isn't it? He, he's constantly trying to erode what we believe, what we value, what we treasure. Yeah? There's a battle on. The old Reformed theologians said there is a battle against the flesh, the world and the devil all the time. It's real. So the seed is sown, the gospel seed, and he's there trying to rip that away from people and their lives. And then Jesus makes the point about hearing. Maybe this parable is about hearing. And then he makes the, the point about thorns and bushes. If you're not careful with what you hear, life's worries, life's cares, even if the crows lose, it all comes in and ruins your life. Doesn't it, Simon? And that's scary. And then there's the depth of soil, the rocky places. And I guess many of us have seen people start with a burst of enthusiasm and suddenly they stop coming to church. It's not involved anymore, just don't get part of the scene. And, oh, well, it's not so important anymore to me. Well, the parable makes a lot of points, and sometimes parables do that, by the way. But Jesus says to us, as he did with his first century followers, that we must listen to him. And if we hear the word and put it into practice, we've understood it. The result is productivity, even up to 100%, maximising life's potential, if you like. See, I was thinking about it again, flying to and back to Cairns. If we knew the plane was going to drop down out of the sky somewhere over Alice Springs, we probably would have listened a little bit more intently to the men and the women who stand up the front with life jackets on. What did she say? What am I supposed to do? What is the brace position? Bit of a challenge. Sometimes we say things like, I hear what you're saying, but. John Piper said to quote him, he who has ears, let him hear. That means it's not enough to have ears on the side of your head. Everybody has those. <laughs> this is kind of heart changing and it, it changes our lives as well. So, you, you know, Where's the application in all of that? How, do, how are we going to put it into practice? So what's happening in your life? If you've heard this today, we will not give up on sowing seed. And if we've not been sowing seed, we can't expect a harvest. You just simply can't grow anything if you don't put seed in the ground. Heather and I had a, a quite amazing experience last evening. Just I was still working on things in my office and next thing I hear, they're calling out to me. Heather's my wife, for those of you who don't know. She's calling out, John, come outside, come outside, quick. Well, she hasn't been real well, so I thought I'd better go and check. Maybe she's fallen over or done something dangerous. But she's out standing by a, a big plant that looks like, well, it looks like a, well, it looks like a Brussels sprout um, I don't know. 
And right in the centre of that plant, there's this enormous purple head that I'd grown from seed, except I threw the seed in the ground and the things have been there for months and months and months. And they, these are marvel- I could have had a picture of this. Sorry about that. You have to imagine it. These beautiful plants and it's got this plant. And I, and I had to go back and get the seed box out and find out what I'd planted. It's actually a purple cauliflower. And uh, when she's well enough to cook it, because I'd only mangle it, we'll eat it. It's a beautiful looking thing. But if I hadn't planted it, no cauliflower. If we don't tell people what's going on with their lives spiritually, they won't ever get it. The reality is most people in the hills these days probably don't know what a Bible is, probably have never heard about Jesus. It's quite possible a lot of people have never, ever heard the gospel story, Easter and Christmas. What an opportunity we have coming up to Easter time to actually nail it once again and say, hey, the cradle's more important than Father Christmas. To tell people the story. So how do we go about sowing? Because see, this is the thing, this is the big point about this parable. Did you notice there are whole lots of things And the sower keeps on sowing and the parable actually tells us that three quarters of the seed that's thrown on the ground will be wasted and won't come to anything. One quarter is productive. But what do you do? You don't just sow the quarter, you keep sowing the 100%. Are you with me? So to check it all out or to make sense of it, Jesus is the one who will do the harvesting. He's the one that will convert people. God's Holy Spirit will be on people's lives. But I tell you, just like on the plane, when I said to this lady, there is a way through your grief, her seed was sowing. I don't know the outcome. She could have well become a Christian for all I know. It was not my job to make sure she became a Christian there and then. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But she's got forever in her mind some old bloke on a plane telling her that Jesus Christ is the Jesus of the resurrection. Yeah? Folks, that's what we need to do. And as we go sowing that seed, the results will be quite incredible. When I first kind of got that from that parable, you just keep sowing seed. Three quarters of what you sow won't come to anything, but a quarter does. So how do we go about sowing? Well, I'm going to give you, Dave told me I had to be practical. So here we go. The first thing is, how do you sow seed? Well, the first thing is, be motivated. Be motivated. These are all B, 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 be motivated, be prepared, be available, be excited, be trusting. Be motivated. What is it motivates us to share the gospel? Cut to the chase, love does. Why is it love? Love because we have compassion for those who don't know Jesus. We have compassion for those who who have never heard that Jesus saves people from sin. We have compassion for people who are lost in this life and who can't find their way home, and we want to tell them. It's love that motivates. Yeah, you can be motivated by guilt, and this is what I find quite scary about all this, because quite often people are kind of made to feel guilty about not sharing the faith and all of that, and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Guilt is a horrible motivator. It works, 
people get guilty. But love makes you go. I will guarantee that if you think back to the conflict in World War II when the Battle of Britain was at its height and young men were giving their lives to fly bits of aluminium through the air at breakneck speeds to defeat the enemy, I'll guarantee that most of them were motivated by love for their nation, not because they'd been called up. It's the same with us. Love motivates. If I really care about somebody, you start with your family, start with your friends. Actually, some of the random contacts you have with people, they're the easiest because you can just share and move on. Yeah? Your family and your friends are watching your lifestyle. Be motivated. Be prepared. A farmer gets ready to sow. Only planted seed will produce a crop. Be prepared to oversow. I do that when I plant parsnips and carrots and stuff like that. I don't care the old DT brown seeds out of the supermarkets. They are cheap. Put a whole packet in a sports place, you'll get some up, yeah? That's the whole point. Be prepared and be prepared to oversow. And uh, be prepared in your life to share your story. I love First Peter 3. He says in uh, chapter 3... Verse 14, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Isn't that a great, great encouragement? Yeah, Peter must have known about this stuff. He says, but always be ready to share and do it respectfully. So work on your story, people. Whether it's a 15-second bite of your story or five minutes or you've got time to talk to somebody for an hour, it doesn't matter. Work on your story. Thirdly, be available. When I was ordained on the night of my ordination, my parents gave me a plaque which I still keep in my office and it reads like this. God never asks about our ability or our inability but about our availability. Just finished all my training, all that stuff. Poor old church at Mount Barker had to live me through those years. And my parents gave me this reminder, just be available, John. So just be available, whoever you are. Fourthly, be excited. Nothing worse than a grumpy Christian. Turn to somebody and say, nothing worse than a grumpy Christian. Worse than a grumpy crow's supporter after the crows have been beaten. A grumpy Christian. Be excited about your faith. You know, and don't get all religious about it and all that sort of stuff. Down with religiosity. Where are you, Bob? You can bang the old cross down here like you did this morning any time, mate. They're fantastic. We don't have to be religious. Just be excited about your faith. And finally, be trusting. Here's the thing. Sharing the good news is never easy. It's not even easy for veteran sharers, but, and I'll probably talk about this a bit more in the next week. Evangelism simply means to tell the good message. That's what it means. That's all it means. Just tell the good word. Tell your story and be excited about your story and see what God does. So let's see where are we in this, in this parable. Where are we at personally? Would you stand with me as we do this? 
and those coming to lead us in our final song, uh, would you come as well? So let's in a moment of quiet as we stand and as the team get prepared to lead us. In many ways it's not an easy topic that we've been talking about this morning and there are challenges for each and every one of us in this. Our own walk with the Lord and our own spirituality, all that's in there. So just... For a few moments in quiet as we stand here, try to put yourself in the parable. And try as best you can just to to hear Jesus talking to you. Not John, forget John, just Jesus. Because it all starts with hearing. And after a few minutes of just being quiet and restful, I'll get Chris to lead us in our last act of worship in singing. Then I'll come back and pray with us. But let's just take a few minutes. Just place yourself in that parable. Can you picture the, the farmer sowing the seed? Where, where are you at with that? Can you see yourself with hands full of seed? Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, You can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.